thousand tracks right here and somebody that I'll tell you what man that challenged me I have a goal for the summer to give a track out every day now, I'm gonna give out more than one many days but I have a brother who's a pastor and uh, here we are now in May he hasn't missed a day this year without giving out a gospel track and he's traveled he's flown places he just he finds a way to give them out and that's a great thing and you will not know till you get to heaven the results of that my wife uh, a lady came to clean our room today. It was a little bit late. It was about 4.45. And before she left, she had a gospel track. My wife told her she could know she could be on her way to heaven. And she works Sundays, so she told her about your church. She told her about Wednesdays. She said, what's going to happen with that? Well, I don't know, but she promised to read it tonight. She promised to read it. I wish I could tell you stories for the next 20 minutes, but I don't want to use all my sermon time. But let me just tell you one or two stories about tracks. I mentioned this yesterday to the Sunday school teachers. There was a pastor. He's now retired. He lives in Florida. His name was Dr. Bud Calvert. Bud Calvert came from a non-religious home. He was a paratrooper in the U.S. Army. He was making his way home on break for the military. He went to the restroom in a gas station, and somebody had left a gospel track on the tank of the commode. He picked it up, took it with him, and read it multiple times, and he got saved. He went off and graduated from Bob Jones University. He founded the Fairfax Baptist Temple in Fairfax, Virginia. And that church started 27 other churches, including the largest independent Baptist church in the state of Pennsylvania, Valley Forge Baptist Temple, the Valley Forge. That's out of his church. And those 20-some churches have started 40 other churches because one person left a track. If I were to tell you the 10 best soul winners I've met in my life, one of those men, he's maybe four or five years older than me, his name, was Greg Weber. Greg Weber grew up in Ohio. He got a full-ride basketball scholarship where he played basketball, majored in chemistry at the Citadel. You've heard of the Citadel, middle military school. They were in Greenville, South Carolina, playing Furman University, a Southern Baptist school. And a Bob Jones preacher boy was standing on the corner handing out gospel tracts. Greg Weber was lost. Dope smoker, his back in the days of Bill Walton, UCLA, he played against Bill Walton, UCLA. They took the track and stuck it in his pocket. He got home that night, he took it out and read it. He read it again and again and again, and about six months later, he prayed and trusted Christ as a Savior. He's been the principal of at least three Christian schools for over, combined, over 30 years. A college basketball coach. Now think about that. The young man who gave him that track does not know the rest of the story. Could you imagine what it's going to be like when he gets to heaven? So I challenge you, keep giving out tracks. And then, in my own life, my dad grew up in an unsaved home and somebody gave him a gospel track. He didn't go through the plan of salvation with him, but he kept reading over that track. And one day, he got on his knees. It is better. He said, Lord, if you're there, God, if you're there, I know I'm a sinner. He tried to turn over a new leaf and stop doing certain sins in his life, but he couldn't do it. But he got saved. Everything changed. He had problems with his language. He said he swore one more time after he got saved. Someone cut him off while driving. And it, the Holy Spirit pierced his heart. He pulled the side of the road and wept and confessed his sin. The last time he ever said a bad word. 
He got saved because somebody gave him a track. So you men, keep it up. That challenged me. I'm here to preach to you, but you preach to me by that. That's a wonderful thing. And I think everybody could give out a couple tracks a day. Everybody could do that. By the way, can I tell you the secret to that? Carry them with you. Carry them with you. The Lytels left a track today at Ted's. Is it Ted's? Yeah, Ted's. Uh, last night I had dinner with Dr. Mr. Kraft. They left a the track. Uh, that's just a good thing to do. You don't know the results of that, but we just need to be faithful doing what we should do. So just, I congratulate you. And again, be thankful for a pastor who's been here for a long time. Pray for him while he's gone. Greet him when he comes back. Be thankful for the staff that's been here a long time. Wendy, how long have you been here on staff? Five years. For some reason, just the way she runs things, it seems like she's been here a long time. And uh, just kidding, Wendy, she's been very helpful. And Brother Moon, be thankful for people who are faithfully serving here. And let me encourage you to keep on keeping on. I told you I'd tell you at least one story about my son. And we have a little more time in a Sunday night service. And I have a son, he's now 26. He's a full-time music director at a church. And uh, he does that lay as a church plant. They had 100 on Easter and three people could say, but uh, they had services this morning, of course. He leads the music, works for the college outreach. But when he was growing up, my son said to me, he said, Dad, he goes, I'd really like to have a dog. And I'm telling this because I know at least one young lady loves dog stories, but I wanted to share that with her. And uh, so he said, I really, really like to have a dog. And I told him what parents always say in situations like that. I said, I'll think about it, which means not in this generation, okay, or maybe not in this millennium. Later on, he said, Dad, I really like to have a dog. And he told me something. And he said, Dad, if you get a dog, does this sound familiar, parents? He says, I'll feed it. I'll water it. I'll pick up after it. Later in our family, we called these the three lies. And uh, <laughs> I said, well, I'm thinking about it, son. But then he did something very, very duplicitous, underhanded, Jacob-like. He enlisted the help of his mother. And... I was sitting there doing what I usually do at home. I was reading, and my wife said, sweetheart, this is just so, just so underhanded. And I wasn't, you know, maybe how we were listening, but we're not really listening. And she said, did you have a dog when you were growing up? And I wasn't really connecting the dots. I said, yes, yes. Said, what was the dog's name? I said, we had this little black dog we got at the grocery store called Princey. That was just a good little dog. And later on, we had some other bigger dogs. We had some German Shepherds and some Dobermans. After some people threw an axe through our front door and did some other exciting things. And uh, she was like, oh, they were great dogs. We had a lot of fun with those dogs. She said, you really enjoyed those dogs? Said, yes. Then she said, why don't you let your son have a dog? <laughs> Maybe not quite in that tone, but it was close. But then she said the magic words to anyone who's a Baptist preacher. She said, I found the perfect dog. Now, can you guess what would make it a perfect dog to a Baptist preacher? It was free. Thank you. But can I teach you something tonight, folks? Listen to a man who's taught college for 40 years. If you get a free dog, it's only free for that brief moment in time. From that time on, it will do nothing but cost you. And by the way, if they're giving the dog away, there's a reason for that. Just say it. So it's a situation where they found this dog. The dog's name was Roscoe. I did not know at that time that that was the name of an illegal handgun during the mob era. Formerly owned by a policeman, and he was giving it up because he, this dog would pull his wife over when she was taking him for a walk. He was part golden retriever, 
and part Rottweiler. And if you're wondering if this is a good blend, the answer would be no. <laughs> he actually was a great dog, though. And my son loved that dog, and he did not feed it or water it. And Lancaster gets very hot in the summer. And if there's one thing that aggravated me is looking out there and seeing that dog dish, which the dog run was right outside my workout room, and seeing that bowl empty without water. When it's 105 degrees. That just... The Bible says in Proverbs, you're supposed to take care of your, your animals. So, oh, that would aggravate me. And then, of course, what would aggravate me even more is when he'd go and he'd put the hose in that little dog dish. Instead of waiting for it to fill up, he'd turn it on and forget about it and flood the entire area. That was a blessing. I think he thought water was free. Okay. But it was his job. And back then, when Mark was younger, we had two girls at home, and Amy and Elisa paid their way through college. I paid their room board, but they paid their tuition. And they paid their way through by teaching lessons. And at our peak, we had about 44 kids coming to our house for piano, violin, guitar lessons on a weekly basis. I'll just say this. If I hear Claire de Lune or Fertilise one more time, I'm going to shoot somebody. I'm telling you what. Oh, my soul. Well, a lot of times when kids come for lessons, they would come in groups, you know, three siblings together, two siblings. So we had a trampoline in the backyard, a swing set. Somebody would be going outside. I had a library built on the back of my house. They'd go out through the double glass doors, play, and they'd come in. Well, if there was dog droppings out there, they would soon come in the house. And Roscoe weighed about 70 or 80 pounds. I don't want to give large details here, but large dogs leave large problems. You all understand that. <laughs> so it was big to me that dog get picked up. Well, Pastor Crichton was mentioning Rich Zalowski. I was going down to preach for Rich down in Banning, California, and I had some hotel points. I travel a lot. And I said, hey, I'm going to preach on a Friday night. I think it was a stewardship banquet. I said, why don't we go to Palm Desert, which is 20 minutes past Banning, I said, Mark, you can swim, we'll read, we'll, we'll stay there and have lunch, we'll come back up the hill. And it was about two hours away from us, and my wife and son thought that was a great idea. And we did, I preached for Rich, and went down to Palm Desert for the night, we're heading back the hill, and I said, hey, it's sad, we didn't have lessons on Sunday, but I said, we got to get back there and pick up that backyard. I said, Mark, you need to pick up that back lawn. He said, yes, sir, and of course, when a teenager says, yes, sir, that means they will remember it for about one-tenth of a second, okay? Well, we get home, and... I'm getting the mail out, checking the mail for two days. I'm sitting at the kitchen table. I said, son, son, you need to go pick up after the dog in the backyard. He said, yes, sir. Now, I'm going to tell you this. When I had a dog, here's how we picked up after. We got a piece of newspaper, what we call a lunch bag, a brown paper bag. We pick up the droppings, throw them in the bag, and throw it all away. Does this sound familiar? Okay. It's a new day. I told my son to pick up, and all of a sudden I heard the snapping sounds. Dr. Crabb, he's putting on surgical gloves. I'm going, what in the world? Now, being a Baptist preacher, my first thought was cost. What's this costing me? And, of course, we began to get into a little discussion. Of course, Christian parents don't have arguments. We have discussions. We don't go to the beach. We go to the shore. We don't watch movies. We watch videos. So we begin to have a discussion, right? That's how it works. And my wife, by the way, ladies, blessed are the peacemakers. My wife's a sweetheart. It's okay. She either got them for free or from a thrift store. So I, I didn't care. It didn't cost me much. So I go back to my reading. I caught my son out of the corner of my eye. He looks like a doctor going to surgery right after washing his hands. He's walking like this. <laughs> Parents, have you ever had that moment when you catch something is wrong with what you're seeing? It hit me. And I said to my son, hello? Hello? And when you say hello to a teenager, that's not a greeting. What that means is why is your IQ lower than broccoli? Okay? He looked at me and said, Sir? I said, Where's your bag? He said, Well, I, I, I don't use the bag. I said, Now, son, 
I want you to work hard, but I want you also to work smart. I said, if you don't have to beg, if you don't have to beg, you have to make multiple trips back and forth to the trash can. But then he said it. I don't use the trash can. Pray tell. I go, what do you do with the droppings? He goes, well, I throw them over the fence. <laughs> we do not live in the country. We have a corner lot, and the houses that border us on both sides at this time both had swimming pools. I'm thinking one word, floaters. I think we've got a problem here. I'm thinking, no wonder we could never get our neighbors to come to church. And parents, have you ever started to get a little bit upset with your child? It started down on my feet, started coming up. And I was, I was starting to say, what in the world are you thinking? I got about that way through. My son said, Dan, stop, stop. I'll never forget this as long as I'm in my right mind. He goes, do you think I'm stupid? I want to say, oh, it's far beyond that. He goes, Dad, he was so proud of himself. He goes, I don't throw them in the neighbor's yard. He goes, I throw them on the street. And he's saying this with pride. I go, why would you do that? In our family, we're often thinking about saving money. And he said, well, here's what I was thinking. He said, don't you pay to get the trash can empty? Well, yes, we pay waste management to empty the trash can. He goes, well, I'm thinking it costs you to empty the trash can but the street sweeper goes by once a week and you don't pay for that. So I'm saving you money. So if you have a teenager still in your home, maybe we can get together in this quarter after the service and have a group hug, okay? <laughs> so I feel your pain. I feel your pain. I don't know all the answers of the kids, but I do know some things the Bible tells us to do. And tonight I want to challenge you in the next 30 minutes about how to help your church and your family to go on to greater victories. I was big when I was born. I was six foot five by the time I was in ninth grade. I've always played sports. I played football in the fall. I played basketball in the winter. I played baseball in the spring. I taught water skiing at camps. I raced motorcycles. I love sports of any kind. But we have a billiards table at our house for college students. We have had a ping pong table. We've had several of them. I find when I dive to get a ball on a ping pong table, the table usually loses, okay? And we have to get a new one. I love sports. But can I say this? I like winning. I like winning. And I like winning in the Christian life. I like going on to victory. And you know what? Christ promises us the victory. Take your Bibles tonight, if you would, and turn with me to Exodus chapter number 17. Exodus chapter number 17, second Book of the Bible, we're going to look at a familiar story here. Exodus chapter number 17, beginning in verse number 9. And I'm going to share some things with you that are applicable not just for your church, but they're also applicable to your family. Would you like your family to have victory? Oh, God gives us so many things. God tells us to be thankful in everything. Give thanks. Uh, God tells us to be slow to wrath. The Bible says a man who can't control his own spirit is like a city that's broken down without walls. The Bible tells us to be a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. You see, a real leader takes a problem and makes it smaller. Most people take a little problem and make it bigger. Uh, the Bible tells us that we ought to show the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. 
These are things people ought to see in our life. But tonight we're going to look at a familiar story in Exodus 17. And I want to share with you a few things that you could do in your church and in your family that I believe could help you to have victory. Verse number 9, the Bible says this. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out. Fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. And they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat there on it. Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua disconfited Amalek and his people at the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisai. Let's pray. Lord, I ask your help tonight. I pray you'll bless these dear folks who come back out for the Sunday evening service. I pray this will be an encouragement, a blessing, and a help. Lord, again, I ask for your help today. I believe this is what you want me to preach on tonight. And Lord, I pray it'll be a help and an encouragement. And Lord, I pray that we'll learn some things from this passage that will help us to be a little bit closer to being the Christians you'd have us to be. I pray that here in this church, the church will go on to great victories. Oh, there's been many victories in the past, but I pray there'll be more yet to come. I pray the families represented here tonight, there'll be victories in their home. And Lord, I pray that we will listen to these precepts, these principles, and that we will not just be hearers of your word, but we will be doers as well. Lord, I acknowledge publicly again that I desire and I need your help. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you write your Bible or write your bulletin there, I'm going to give you about four simple things to do that will help you to go for victory. Number one tonight, we see they set out for the top. They set out for the top. It says that Aaron and her went up to the top of the hill. Can I say tonight, it's always harder going uphill than it is going downhill. It's always harder. My boss, Pastor Chapel, his office is on the third floor. Usually I try to take the stairs up. Can I tell you this? It's easier going down than it is going up. It's always easier. Years ago, I read one of the most amazing books I've ever read in my life. It was about an expedition on Mount Everest in 1996. Written by a man by the name of John Krakauer. You'd like this one, Brother Moon. It's called Into Thin Air. It's got so many, so many applications in it, it's amazing. I ended up reading three different books about this particular event. Until two years ago, this was the deadliest month on the, in the history of Mount Everest. What happened was there was three different groups, one from the IMAX Film Corporation, one led by a guy by the name of Rob Hall from New Zealand, another led by a guy from Washington who were all going to try to summit Mount Everest at the same time. The problem is there's places of the upper reaches of what's called the death zone where you can only go single file. The folks from, led by David Brashears from Mount Everest, uh, from the Mount Everest Film Expedition for IMAX, decided not to go that day. I believe it was May the 6th. But the other two groups decided to go. I did not know that when you climb Mount Everest, by the way, do you know it cost you about $80,000 to be a part of an expedition? $80,000 to even try. And very few summit the mountain. 
I did not know when you would leave. I thought we'd probably leave early in the morning. Oh, no, you don't leave early in the morning. When you're trying to go from, you have base camp, camp one, camp two, camp three, camp four, and from camp four you try to attain the summit. You leave camp four at 10 p.m. the night before. Almost everyone will have supplemental oxygen. They'll have headlamps on. If they leave at 10 p.m. at night, it all goes well. They should hit the summit about noon the next day. It takes them 14 hours to do that last climb. By the way, to go from the summit back to Camp 4 takes them about four hours. It's harder going up than it is going down. And because of that, oftentimes, we don't tend to do some of the things that are harder. The uphill things, if you will. There was a songwriter who understood this, who when he said this, not to be carried through the skies on flowery beds of ease, while others toil to win the prize and sail through bloody seas. I'll tell you who did understand it. In the book, The Outsiders, there's a chapter on the life of John Bunyan, who spent 12 years in Bedford prison, who every three months they offered to let him go if he would take a license for his preaching. But he said no. You know, he had a blind daughter. His family was penurious. They had no money. He said, I won't take a license to preach. And while in Bedford jail there, he wrote the great allegorical novel called Pilgrim's Progress. He described a man who he called Christian, who was on an uphill journey to what he called that celestial city, whose builder and maker was God. We're on that journey as well. By the way, when Christians look at an easier path, a downhill path, it's not as strenuous. It got them off the right road. So we see we have to set out for the top. It takes longer to go up than it does to go down. I was preaching in Hong Kong about three years ago. At the church, I counted the steps. It was 51 steps up to where the service was held. It was a house church. 51 steps. No elevator. I was thinking about some of those dear senior saints who were in there. They said, we're willing to go uphill to do what God wants us to do. That challenged me. That encouraged me. That spoke to my heart. So we see, first of all, if you're going to go on to victory, you have to go uphill. It, it's hard to go out. And I think about these men giving out a thousand tracks. There's one difference here between Lancaster and your beautiful town. Actually, there's two. Lancaster looks a lot like your town if you've been hit by an atomic bomb, okay? We're out in the desert. It's so green here. We're coming down to land at Fort Myers. I go, look how green it is. But secondly, you've got something we don't have. It's called humidity. How many of you have ever noticed that before? Oh, my soul. <laughs> we had a nice lunch yesterday, and we decided we are going to go to the outlet mall, Miramar. Is that what it's called? We decided not to. We went to the Goodwill instead. It was air-conditioned. Amen. You know. I said about Miramar is awesome in the winter. But I was wearing a heavy-duty T-shirt, long-sleeve shirt, dress pants. I'm going... I don't be walking around out there in the humidity. 
But sometimes it's, we have to do the hard things. No, ladies, I'm not talking about shopping. Maybe it's being a witness. Because everybody ought to know who Jesus is. Tonight, number one, we have to set out for the top. Number two, we see this. They set out some stones, or set up a stone for him. Now, I've been to Israel. Lancaster is called High Desert. We're 2,400 feet above sea level. It's really nice at night because it cools down at night. If it's 90 during the day, it'll drop to 60 at night. Trent knows this. He lives there. Allison, obviously. It gets, it, cool. it gets cool at night. The low desert, that doesn't happen. It stays hot. Could you imagine standing on a mountaintop in the blazing sun of the desert, holding up a rod, sweat running off of you, and Aaron Hurst said, you know what, maybe we could help him. Let's get a stone for him to set on. Now, friends, I'm going to say this. It's really easy to bring a cardboard box for someone to sit on. You just kick a box over. I don't sit on cardboard boxes. Furthermore, I don't sit on those real cheap white plastic chairs you can buy for $5 at Walmart. If they've been out in the sun, that plastic degrades. I was preaching at the Hudson View Baptist Church in New York. Hot night. No air conditioning in the building. Finally, the service was over. Man, I was sweated through. He says, go down to the basement for some fellowship. A lot of Filipinos there. I remember that very, very well. And then I was just tired. I saw a chair. I went over and sat in that chair. I didn't know they had that chair outside for a long time. And one of those legs exploded. It sounded like a gun going off. I landed on my back. I'm laying there. My wife was very concerned. As soon as she found out I was okay, she started laughing at me. What a blessing. What a blessing. Friends, let's not give the kind of support where we kick over a cardboard box or bring over a cheap chair. I'm a little larger than most people. I weigh 200 and none of your business pounds. These chairs are steel. I don't worry about that. Hey, let's be the kind of workers in the church where people don't worry about us. Let's give the kind of support that can be counted on. Dr. Crabb serves on the board of our college, and one of our board members is General John Tykert, MIT graduate, 3.96 at MIT. Think about that for a little while. His wife graduated from MIT with a 3.94. He was saved at Lancaster Baptist Church. He's in his 40s. He's a general. He's over Edwards Air Force Base. He's over 10,000 men. He's over Plan 42, where they built the stealth bomber, the stealth fighter, the joint strike fighter. Pretty amazing guy. Uh, just a remarkable guy. And I think about him, and it's interesting. He mentioned one time, he said, a lot of times in life, it's just being willing to do the hard things. The hard things. To set out a stone. Are you supporting Pastor Lytell? Can he count on you for being in your place? When you volunteer, do we follow up for the volunteer? It's sad to say this, but one, sometimes I, if I need eight volunteers, I'll ask for ten. I'm not sure what I'm doing, but I'll try not to do it again. If I need eight volunteers, I'll... I'm fine. That's no problem. Because this other thing's making some amazing noises here. 
Is that okay? Okay, there. That's great. That's perfect. Don't worry about that. If that's our biggest problem tonight, we're happy people. Amen. Can I say this? God wants us to bear one another's burdens. I told the teachers yesterday, I put on Twitter last week, I said, there's two, we're in LA where there's busy, busy freeways. I live 84 miles from the airport and I fly 50,000 miles a year. If I land about three or four o'clock on Friday, it could take me four hours to get home. I think my peak was three hours and 45 minutes to go 84 miles. I made it home at five o'clock in the morning, taking a red-eye flight in about an hour. Just zoom down those freeways. It's very interesting. I believe that we ought to be bearing other people's burdens, lightening their load. General Tyker, I was telling you about, over Edwards Air Force Base, a man in high authority, over 10,000 men, the largest land base in the United States. Whenever he can't be at church, he texts pastor and lets him know where he's at. A general in the U.S. Air Force. Oh, by the way, that's being accountable. Pastor said, what a blessing that is. What an encouragement. Are we going to set out stones? I'm going to say this, carrying stones is hard work. A lot harder than carrying a cheap plastic chair. By the way, I doubt if Aaron and her had brought a lot of digging implements up there. I wonder if they dug around that stone with their bare hands. Maybe they got to pull it, pull it out of it, pull it over the edge where Moses could sit on it. Carrying boxes is easier, but they don't give much support. Are you a box-carrying Christian? Or are you a stone-carrying Christian? I had surgery about a week and a half ago, and I ended up getting 15 staples. I get them out on Monday. People say, you can have Dr. Crabb do it. We're good friends, but he doesn't need to see me like that, okay? <laughs> He'd be scarred for life, but I had five stitches, and actually 14 staples total, and boy, the first day I got home, they gave me this thing. They said, put this around you. It'll support you. I said, I'm not going to use that. I said, I just need to start, you know, they cut into you in four different places. I said, I just need to start getting my strength back in. I couldn't get off the couch. My wife weighs 121 pounds. I weigh 265 pounds. She's trying to pull me up. That was quite a sight, I can promise you. I said, take both hands. Come on, you can do it now, baby. <laughs> but I needed her help. I needed her help. Can I tell you, friends, that your pastor needs your help? Hey, spouse, can I tell you your spouse needs your help? Young people, can I tell you your parents need your help? Let me challenge you to set out some stones. So first they set out for the top. Secondly, they set out stones. But thirdly, the Bible says this, they stayed up his hands. Trent, I'm going to have you come up here and help me with this illustration tonight. He didn't want to do this, but I told him I'd give him a chance to earn some money. He said his dad never pays him overtime, so he needs some help here. So come on up here, Trent. <laughs> Trent's in pretty good shape. Better shape than I am. And Trent, what I want you to do is take this chair here. This chair weighs about 20 pounds. I want you to lift, put your arms all the way through to grab the front legs. Okay. One there for the front legs. Yeah. All right, good job. Okay. Move around this way here, like this. Put your arms all the way through. Put your, put your right hand on that leg. There you go. There we go. Yeah. He's old. He just finished his sophomore year. Next year, he'll have that down. Okay, now. <laughs> now, I want you to hold your arms straight up like that. Straight up. Now, all I'm going to ask you to do, Trent, I want to give you $20 for holding that there for 10 minutes. Now. No, no, no. I'll wait. <laughs> I will pay you. I can see the clock back there. 10 minutes, $20. Is that awesome or what? Am I? It's only 20 pounds. 
Can I tell you a little secret? When you're by yourself, it gets heavy really quickly. Don't make your pastor carry the load by himself. Don't make the music director carry the load by himself. Don't make Brother Moon carry the load by himself. Up, 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 there we go. He's already got it. He's already got almost a minute in. Isn't he doing well? Great, great, there we go, good. But if you three gentlemen in that row there will come up here and help me. Right here in the second row, all three of you guys come up here. Yep, come on up here, man. Get that hand up here. Now, all of a sudden, we have some help. Each of you guys will take one leg of that chair and help lift it up. I've been thinking, do 10 minutes now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Aaron and her decided to help hold of his hands. Now, can I tell you a little secret? When you get that close to somebody, what's your name, sir? Vito. I like Vito's shirt. How about you? I, like, I just like this. Looking good. When you get this close to Vito here and start holding up his hands, you know what? He may be sweating on me a little bit. A little clammy here. Yeah. By the way, when you get this close, maybe you'll notice an imperfection. It's like that little hair growing out of his ear. I'm, just, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. By the way, they're in the desert. How many think maybe the body odor might have been strong? You see, when you get close to somebody and hold up their hands, it may not be super comfortable for you. But they can't keep going unless someone will help them. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. Chair down. Let's give them a hand. How about it? Good job. You're saying, will Trent get the $20? Absolutely not. So moving on here. <laughs> we'll do something for him, though. So. Can I ask you a question tonight? Whose load are you helping to lighten? Whose load did you help lighten this week? Wendy, thank you for helping me for the last week or so on this trip. I appreciate it. I wrote her a note. She made it very easy for me. I travel a lot. Sometimes I can't find out anything for the life of me. And I'm thankful for my secretary. Boy, she gave me all the phone numbers. She gave me Brother Moon's phone number. She gave me Wendy's phone number. She gave me the address of the church, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That makes it easy for me. It's a help to me. It's good to help with the trip, but it's far greater to help with the cause of Christ. Dr. Crabb teaches for us. I look forward to coming out and teaching for a week. He's taught in my class before. By the way, you say, what did he teach on the West Coast? I had him teach on pornography and opiates. Scourges of our generation. I want him to hear from an expert and say, these are things you've got to watch out for. He talked about team building. He talked about some things. He was a great help. Talked first in the fall and in the spring. Can I say this? I hope he'll do that for years to come. It was a help. You know what he was doing? Helping lift the load. And he helped lighten our load because we didn't have to take care of Allison by ourselves. And that was a blessing. <laughs> we were even able to release the neighborhood watch program for the entire week. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Can I say tonight, you've got to be close to hold up some hands. You'll be aware of imperfections when you hold up hands. You say, you're like Pastor Lytell. I do. I respect the man. I, I just genuinely like him. I actually came out and visited in California last year. I just like the guy. I like people who've been faithful. I like people who ride motorcycles. I mentioned that to my wife. She said I was going through a midlife crisis. How did Brother Lytell get away with it? But that's another story. 
But we see, first of all, friends, we have to set out from the top. Secondly, we have to set out stones. Thirdly, we have to stay up hands. And fourthly, tonight, and I'm done. They stayed till the battle was done. The Bible says in verse number 12, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. As long as there was light, they stayed in their place. What a great challenge. I just finished my 40th year in Bible college work. I'm praying for 50 in full-time work. I'd like to do that until I'm 71. That'd be great. I don't know if the Lord will allow me to do that. None of us know the days we will have. That's in God's hands. But I'll tell you this, when I'm done with that, I want to keep doing something. I like to keep traveling for the college, raising funds for the college, recruiting students for the college, maybe teaching part-time like Dr. Crabb does. You know what? I want to keep going. It's been a really strange thing this last week or two because I can't do all the things I normally do. The doctor said, don't exercise for two weeks. Of course, you know how men are listening to doctors. So one day I went for a six-mile walk. I figured that wasn't really exercise. Oh, I didn't feel too good the next day. Actually, I went five miles one day, six miles the next day. Not good. Not good. Can I say this? Let's do what we can do while we can do it. Because the day may come when we can't do those things. But they were faithful to the going down of the sun. Years ago, a man named Thomas Paine wrote this. I want you to think about it. This was written during the time of the American Revolutionary War. These are the times that try men's soul. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will in the crisis shrink from the service of their country. But he that stands it now deserves the love and thanks of men and women. Tyranny, listen now, like hell, is not easily conquered. Yet we have this consolation with us at the heart of the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. What we obtain too cheap, we esteem too lightly. Heaven knows how to put a proper price upon its goods, and it would be strange indeed if so celestial an article as freedom should not be highly rated. He's right. What was he talking about? Oh, the people that ran away from Valley Forge. A horrible winter under Washington's leadership. Living in lean-tos. It kept the snow off up, but there was no heat. Out of shoes, often wrapping their feet in rags. But some men kept on keeping on. And we owed them a great debt. In that book, The Outsiders, not all those men survived. Some were burned at the stake. Some were imprisoned. Some lost their lives. And folks, we have freedom. I don't know if we'll always have the freedoms we have today. If we are ambulatory and we can get out, let's use the strength we have, the opportunity we have for the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that when you stay till the battle's done, that means we're going to serve when it's comfortable and also when it's uncomfortable. Maybe that's times of building programs or times of storms or times of sickness. But I believe if we'll do those things, God will use us and he'll bless us. Will we help our spouse by setting out stones, as my wife did for me in recuperation from surgery, as men ought to do for their spouses when they're expecting, just try to help the youth director there? And do the vacuuming and help with the cooking and the cleaning and take care of the baby. Why is that? It's a battle time. It's a difficult time. So let's challenge ourselves to set out from the top. To set out some stones. 
to stay up some hands and finally to stay till the battle's won. Because I believe if we do that, we will go on to victory. Let's pray tonight. Lord, I thank you for your word, for the truths that are so simple. But Lord, I pray that we will not just be hearers of your word, but we will be doers of them as well. I thank you for the testimony of this church. Many folks who have been here not just for years, but for decades, and I pray you'll bless them for their faithfulness. But Lord, I pray that each and every believer here will have a desire to help the cause of Christ to be furthered. Not to be content with past victories. But I ask, who do I need to invite to church this week? Who should I encourage this week? Who could I visit this week? Who could I be a blessing to this week? How could I help around the church this week? To redeem the time, I think of my grandfather, who after retiring as a public school custodian, volunteered to clean the church every Thursday and every Saturday. He said, no one will clean it like I do. He wanted his life to count until you called him home. There's a lot of folks here tonight who have different gifts and different abilities. I pray that they'll ask you to show them how they can set out for the top and set out stones and stay up hands. I pray that you help me, Lord, to stay till the battle's been won. With their heads bowed and their eyes closed, I wonder how many here tonight would say this, Dr. Rasmussen. With God's help, I want my church to go on to greater victories. With God's help, I'm going to ask him to use me to help my church. I'm going to ask him to use me to help my family, to be a victorious family. It'll cost something. It'll take time to pray together, to make sure you're having your devotions, to be faithful in order to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. If God spoke to your heart tonight about one or more of these things, would you raise your hand tonight? You say, with God's help, I want to do that. Yes, numbers of hands. Thank you so much. In just a moment, we're going to stand. If perchance you're here and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, your Savior, please come up and talk to us. We'll sit a man with a man, a lady with a lady who can show you in just a few moments how you can know for sure you're on your way to heaven. But if you raised your hand tonight, can I challenge you to do something? We won't be long. It's only 7.01. I didn't preach long tonight. I would challenge you for each other to come to the front with your spouse, your family, and take a moment to pray and ask the Lord to help you, to help your church and your family to go on to victory. Lord, I pray you bless during this invitation time. I pray you'll speak to hearts. I pray the people will obey the impulse of the Holy Spirit. With their heads bowed and their eyes closed, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet if you would, please. And as the instruments continue to play, the altar's open. If God spoke to your heart, if you raise your hand, why don't you talk to the Lord? People are coming now. God wants to use you, friend. God wants to bless you. I believe that God wants this church to go on to greater victories. Oh, it's wonderful to see people coming. That's wonderful. If it's hard for you to sit to kneel, feel free to sit in the front row. That's fine. Not a problem. God wants to bless you, friend. God wants to use you. What a wonderful thing to see some who are, as the Bible called them, hoary-headed. I'm in my 60s now. I want to go on. I want to keep on keeping on. I want God to use me. I don't just want to be a spectator. I didn't like to be on the bench in sports. I wanted to be in the game. Can I tell you, friend, God wants you to be in the game as well. Oh, my goodness. What a great thing to serve the Lord. What a wonderful thing to do. 
it'll count for eternity. To serve him who died for us, what a wonderful thing. What a wonderful thing. God loves you, my friend, and he wants to use you. The Bible says that we are to be vessels fit for the master's hand. And all you have to do to be a vessel fit for his hand is to be clean and be available. Not new, not expensive, not educated, just clean and available. If we're clean and we're available, I promise you, he'll use you. Lord, I pray you'll bless as we go our ways this week. I pray you'll help me to be faithful and give you out tracks like the stories I heard tonight. What a challenge to me. Lord, I pray that every member here will grab some tracks on their way out the door. They're right there at the table. Be a faithful witness of that. I pray you'll be with Pastor while he's gone. I pray he'll get some good respite and be rejuvenated as he comes back for the latter part of the summer. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.